I think if you've lived any sort of life, you're older than 30, you have probably experienced a pain that makes you feel one of these ways. I feel like I am under attack. I feel like, Lord, you've forsaken me. Why would you allow this to happen? There is an element of, I get it with Job saying all of this stuff. And yet, Job 1.22 and Job 2.10 are saying, he didn't sin, he didn't blame God, and he never did. But Job, I think, understands something about God that the Western church has forgotten. There is freedom in our relationship with him to come raw with our feelings, with our thoughts, just as we are and lay it all before him. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. How are you out there? I am so glad we are back with you today. I, when I say what I'm about to share with you has been a struggle, it has been a struggle. I just shared with my team. I probably have, now don't glaze over when I say this, but, and I will not share them all, but I probably have 55 scriptures to back up what I'm going to talk about today, just because theological integrity is so incredibly important to me. So your girl has been in the word. I've been in all sorts of things to study for what we're going to talk about after the break. You do not want to miss this. What we are going to talk about after the break is how transparent are we allowed to be before God? How transparent are we allowed to be? Are we allowed to be fully, fully emotionally raw before God? Are we, or is that considered disrespectful? (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about it. I am so glad you are here with me today, and I am overwhelmed by you guys. Uh, We have gotten several messages in in the past couple of days that have made me and the team just kind of sit back in awe of what we are able to do. You know, this is this is a sacrifice. This is a sacrifice uh, for me. This is a sacrifice for my team. You know, we, we all wear on our team multiple hats. We're all mothers. Well, not all of us, because there is a male on our team. He's a father. But we all have a lot of things that we do. We all have a lot of things that we, that you know, we're running at a fast pace, you know, in our lives and stuff like that. And, you know, I just had a conversation this morning about how important and how blessed we are to get to do ministry, you know, with you guys. We do not take your support lightly. Those of you that are sharing, those of you that send me messages that say you have no idea how much I needed this, I don't take one lightly. I don't skim over them. I don't think, wow, well, I've done this for 20 years. You know, everything that you say when God has given us a message from the podcast to share we take it heavily, heavily. Is that even a saying? I don't know. I just made it up. We take it heavily um, because it is so important to tell you what God tells me and get it out there. And we love you guys. Thank you for your support. Listen, if you have a story about what God is doing in your life, I want to know about it. We got it. We have a couple of really cool stories today. I'm going to have to pick one, but send it to us at hello at autumnmiles.com. We monitor, uh, closely monitor that email. If you would like to share, hey, I, I just saw a miracle, a miracle. You, I was talking to one of my friends, my friends yesterday. And I was praying really hard about something in the morning. And that evening she texted me and she was like, we got a miracle. Miracles are happening all around us. And I know they're happening in your life because there's a gajillion people that listen. I want you to email me and tell me hello at autumnmiles.com. Also, guys, 
If you want to go a little bit deeper and follow along on a daily basis, go to Instagram or Facebook. We're on both of those things. Also, share this. Share this series. I'm praying really hard about a book with this. I'm just praying really hard because there's so much that we could dig into. And, you know, in six weeks, even though six weeks is a long time, it's you're not even scratching the surface of what is happening in this book. But this series has been really hard on me. The Satan's made me pay for this series. So I don't know if I want to do a book or not. Anyway, I'm praying through it. We love you guys so much and your support means everything. And those OGs out there that have supported for like, you know, a second, I really, really appreciate it. And it's because of you that we all do what we do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Okay. What is happening in my life? I had a moment last night. Okay. I had a moment last night. I don't know why our kids don't go to school anymore. I'm just telling you. I feel like every Monday they're off and I'm like three-day weekend all the time. How amazing is that? Like in a couple of weeks, they get five days off. What do you have five days off for? And they'll say, I don't know. Oh, well, I don't know either. Why, why do you have so many holidays? I'm not complaining because it is my last year with my, my girl. But I'm just saying for the love, they are off all the time. And yesterday was no different. My kids were out of school. Of course, I love it. Um, when they're out of school, you know, I made the babies waffles in the morning. I said, I said, Haven, I'll make you whatever you want. She was like, I want a waffle. I made her a waffle. I said, okay, if I make you a waffle, you're going to eat it. She goes, yes, I'm definitely going to eat it. So the babies had waffles. It was a whole thing yesterday morning. But by the evening, I was tired. Okay. Mama was tired. I cooked all the things, went all the places, worked as well. And there is a cabinet in my bathroom. And listen, I can, I, I feel like I do a lot, but handyman work, I do not do. Okay. I probably could figure it out, but I don't even want to learn. Anyone out there, you're like, I'm just not even going to learn how to do that. I'm not a plumber. I'm not going to learn how. I don't want to fix, you know, the spindles that are off of our staircase. I do so many other things. I'm not going to be a handyman, okay? And I'm kind of rebellious about it. Well, I have this cabinet in my bathroom. The thing has been hanging for three weeks. Now, my husband is in a very busy season of his life, like so busy. And so I keep forgetting to ask him, but it annoys me every day, every day, every day I go in there. And my room and my bathroom and my home are like, you know how someone's kitchens, everyone's in the kitchen. Everyone sits in my room in my bathroom. If I'm in there, I have six people and the dog in there asking me questions, wanting to sing me songs, wanting to blah, 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 wanting me to, mom, look, look watch my cartwheel. That is where we congregate, okay? So we're always in there. Hence my cabinet, not like needing fix. I had a long day yesterday and I'm <laughs> just, I almost took this cabinet and just threw it in the trash. But I look at this cabinet and you, have you ever caught yourself staring at something like kind of in the abyss in your mind and you're just like, if one more thing happened, if I have to make one more glass of ice water, if I have to put ointment on one more kid's wound, you know what I mean? It was kind of one of those moments where I was looking at the cabinet and I was so mad at the cabinet. I was like, mad at this cabinet for breaking how dare you break when I have so much going on don't you know cabinet I need you to work more than anything else I just need you cabinet not to break you guys it hit me my son is 15 years old he should know how to fix a cabinet. <laughs> so, you know me, rebellious. I'm not trying to be a handyman. I do everything else. I'm the chauffeur. I'm the cook. I'm the shopper. I'm the everything. I'm the I'm the scheduler. I'm the party planner. I am the everything. I am the nurse in our house, even though I'm not a nurse, but I feel like a nurse. So I said, Jude, I need you to figure out. This is, I'm in the stage with my older kids. Figure it out. I don't know how to do it either. Figure it out. I need you to figure out, so mom doesn't lose it, how to fix the cabinet. And he looked at me, and I'm telling you what, this made my whole month. He goes, 
I'll fix it for you, mom. Don't even worry about it again. <laughs> this cabinet has been driving me crazy for three weeks. And um, so he leaves for like three minutes. And I'm thinking, do I need to go instruct him? And then I'm thinking, no, I just said, figure it out. Could you please figure out how to fix mommy's cabinet? Mom's cabinet. 15-year-olds don't say mommy. They say mom. Anyway, he comes in. And he's got my husband's like power drill thing. And he walks over to the cabinet and he sizes it up. And I'm like, he kind of really legit looks like he knows what he's doing. (laughs) He puts the power tool with the little screw in the cabinet. And it is perfectly fixed. It took a total of six seconds to fix this cabinet that has been hanging by a thread for three weeks. And he looked at me and he, you know how you, when you put something up, like, like, you know, and you blow it at the top, like, you know, like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, that's what he did. And he goes, is there any more cabinets that need fixing? And I just stood there like shocked from my core and so proud and so relieved and so happy all at the same time at my son who fixed my problem. And it was just wonderful. So anyway, I praised him for like an hour. And finally, he's like, Mom, it's really okay. (laughs) It wasn't that big of a deal. But emotionally, he doesn't know how big of a deal that was to me. And so I just praised him. like, you're just such a a little man. I'm going to have you do lots of little things like this around the house. And he was like, whatever you need, Mom. You know, so anyway. So that's my story. That's what's happening in my life. My sanity is wrapped up in a cabinet and that's the way it goes. Anyway, thank you for my son. All right. When we come back after the break, we're going to hit Job part four, transparency. How transparent are we allowed to be? Gonna be good. You do not want to miss this. Hang around for the whole thing. If you need to go in Chipotle and get your burrito and come back, press pause, but listen to it all. It's going to be good. I'll see you guys in a sec. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so... Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. I've been waiting for this for four weeks. Can you believe we're on Joe Part 4? Here we are. Joe Part 4. How transparent... Are we allowed to be with God? That's what I want to talk about today. Do you know, you know, are you this person? Because <laughs> you probably are. You know, when someone calls and they're like, how are you doing? I'm fine. Totally fine. I'm good. But you know, you know very well, you've got a cabinet that is in your house. <laughs> and you're not fine because that cabinet is driving you crazy. Are you that person? Are you that person that, you know, when you go to church and they're like, turn around and greet somebody and you like, you know, (laughs) we're having an argument with your kids on the way to church and you look around and you're like so happy. You pretend to be so happy. You're like, you're greeting someone and they say, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm just great. Everything's wonderful. But you know, internally, you really need Jesus. And that's why you're there. Are you that person in a small group that you... No, you have things because we all got them, girlfriend. We all got them, cupcake. You got them. Are you that person in that small group 
where they go around and they're say they say, hey, do you have a prayer request? And you stay silent knowing full well you have something that you must share. Are you resistant to fully opening up? Because you think if you do, you would get rejected. You think if you do, if you truly opened up, if you truly said, this is how I actually feel, you would get fired. <laughs> well, that might happen. You would get rejected. That person that you're talking to might not have this pretty little view of you anymore. Are you working for someone's perception or are you working for someone's intimacy? That was really good. Sometimes in our lives, we want to portray something that really isn't true. Okay. This happens with perfectionists a lot. I am a perfectionist. I had to learn this the hard way. I lo literally lost everything 20 years ago. And I'm like, I'm going to be the imperfect perfectionist over here. Do I like my house to look really, really nice? Yes, I do. But I am going to tell you what is going on on the inside of me. And I try to be as transparent as I possibly can in this venue. Sometimes we only share what we want others to perceive about us. There are a selective few things that we want a person in relationship that we're trying to have a relationship with to see. We want them to see that we're a good mom. We want them to see that we're kind. We want them to see that we love Jesus. We want them to see that we're, you know, semi-successful in making it in life. But do we still share those same things when maybe we've had a really bad day being a mom, maybe we lost our temper. Maybe we're struggling with our faith. Uh, maybe, just maybe, we have missed, you know, 15 payments on our mortgage. I don't know. I don't know how many you're allowed to miss. I'm just saying. <laughs> Financially, things aren't the way they're cracked up to be. In order to not just have a perception of a relationship with someone, we've got to actually share what's going on in order to build intimacy with someone. I find, listen, I find that the way we are with other people is often the way we communicate with God. I find if someone's being really surface to me, which I can smell it a mile away, if I'm like, you know, I don't know, I've got this weird like thing. I mean, <laughs> the other day, I'll just say this. I met someone the other day. My husband wanted me to meet him and I met this person and um, I never said anything about, I never told my husband my thoughts, but he asked me a couple of days later, he said, well, I only met him for about 30 seconds, but that's all I needed. And um, he said, you know, what were your thoughts? And I told him my thoughts and he looked at me and he was like, how in the world did you read all of that in 30 seconds? And I said, I have no idea. I don't know how, I don't know how I, I do that as a discernment, the wisdom of God. I, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how I do that. But if you're trying to come at me and say, everything's okay, people like me can see even though what you're saying sounds good, it's actually not how you are. I find this struggle of breaking that need to be liked this side of heaven carries over to our relationship with God. I can say that because I was this. I can say that because 20 years, 20 years of my life, I lived a complete fraud before the Lord. Complete. I looked so <laughs> spiritual, <laughs> but in my prayer life, while I wanted to be liked with my peers, I also wanted God to like me. So in my, um, with my peers, you know, I would share things that hopefully they would receive and actually like me as a person. I really, really struggled with people liking me. 
and the need to be accepted and the need to be loved. It always transferred over to my relationship with God. I would say things to the Lord that sounded incredible in my prayer life, but were not even the slightest bit truthful. Because what I was telling the Lord, I thought somehow he would like me better if I said better things. But really, I was lying to him. Because what I said wasn't what I was. And what I said wasn't what I thought. I want to push a little bit on the lack of transparency that I have seen as a problem among Christians. There is a lack of transparency, and we'll take our personal relationships here on earth out of it, and we will focus them all on heaven today. If you struggle with telling people who you really are because you think that they're going to reject you here on earth and they're not going to accept you here on earth, the odds are that you also struggle with your intimacy with the Lord because you want him to like you when you're already loved by him. And I say this knowing full well that some people are going to push on this a little bit and like, no, I am transparent with the Lord or I am this or I am that. But I think you actually know. You know if you are, if the Lord is truly intimately acquainted with all of your ways and you're pouring, literally pouring, almost regurgitating your soul out to him on a regular basis or if you have one of those prayer lives that you know is pretty plastic. Lord, thank you for this day. Amen. Bless everyone in the world. Amen. Help me with this challenge. Amen. Do you know what I'm saying? I wrote the book Gangster Prayer, and you can get this everywhere books are sold. One of the reasons I wrote the book is because I saw this hesitation to be raw, emotionally naked before the Lord. Growing up in the church that I grew up in, I never really felt the freedom to be honest with the Lord. So I learned the language of the Pharisees, which were to um, sort of pontificate this idea that I was more righteous than I was. It wasn't until I lost everything in my life that I realized that that didn't work for me. And I needed true repentance and I needed a true relationship with the Lord. Otherwise, I didn't know how I was going to be able to move forward. I wrote the book Gangster Prayer because it wasn't in those first 20, a couple decades of my life. I had zero intimacy with the Lord because I didn't share anything with the Lord. In the last 23 years as a believer, in the last 23 years, my prayer life has not looked one single thing like it did the first 20 years of my life. As a matter of fact, I have on a regular occasion been frustrated at how fake my own prayers were and how many lies and falsehoods were wrapped up in my prayer life to God in the first two decades of my life been frustrated at myself for wasting so much time. But in these last two decades, I've never felt more like a friend, a daughter, like I have a a thriving relationship with the Lord. I didn't even know what growing up my church thought was disrespectful was actually accepted. It has radically changed my life. It has changed my children's life. It has changed my marriage. It has changed every facet of every relationship in my life. It has changed my ministry. It has changed everything about me. And it is this being truthful with God, being fully transparent with God. And I want to talk to you about that today because this is a huge part of the book of Job. 
We see in Job 1 and Job 2, we see his woes and what happened to him and how, you know, he lost everything. And you can go back and you can uh, listen to part Job part 1, 2, and 3. But in Job chapter 3 through about chapter 38, that is a lot of chapters, people. In those, what is that? How many chapters is that? 35 chapters? In those 35 chapters of this book, now it's not all Job. Some of it, a lot of it is his friends as well, but we talked about the friends last week. We see Job's raw, honest, what a lot of people would call disrespectful. We see exactly, precisely, unvarnished language on how he feels, on what he emotionally is experiencing. Because this is what happened to Job. God said, if you consider my servant Job, he lost everything, all of his money, all of his financial, everything. Then he loses his health. Then his relationship with his wife is tarnished because she looks at him and says, curse God and die. Then his friends enter the picture. And this is the main dialogue in Job 3 through 38. And they are constantly pushing and questioning him and wondering, is he actually who he says he is? Does he not know that he should be one way? So the attack came financial, then it came with his children, then it came with his health, then it came with his relationships, and he lost everything he thought stabilized him. So that's when the enemy came in and started working on his mind. You see, the enemy is not just after, you know, the enemy, it was after Job's faith. He wanted him to curse God at all costs. The money, losing the money didn't work. Losing the kids didn't work. Losing his health didn't work. Losing his relationship with his wife, or at least for a time, because we know how it ends. <laughs> he doubled up in kids. His friend questioning didn't work. And so then the enemy comes and he starts to challenge his mind. And I would even submit to you that this psychological warfare that the enemy uses is oftentimes more painful than losing things because it lingers. After he loses everything, I'm going to read to you Job 3. Now, Job 3 is extremely raw <laughs> and it is exactly how he feels after all of these things. But before I read Job 3, I want to read to you these two verses that I cannot get over, get past. I cannot get through them. Listen to this. After he loses every, all of his money and all of his kids, Job 1.22 says this, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. This is the Bible. That is what the Bible said. Job, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Now, let's go to Job 2.10. Job 2.10, he's talking to his wife. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from the Lord and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In all of this loss of everything twice in the scripture it says job did not sin with his lips now when you read job 3 through 38 <laughs> you're thinking what <laughs> really and it's questionable because of what he says and i i just want to say many people disagree with this um, some people believe he did sin with his lips, but the text says, and that's just what I'm going to submit to you today. Just the text. The text says two times in all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And it said, in all this, Job 2.10, 10, 
Job did not sin with his lips. So we're going to err on the side of exactly what the Bible said, not someone else's interpretation of what that means. Okie doke. It says, in all this, Job didn't sin and he didn't blame God. And he never did. So that is very accurate because I read, you studied it. But it also says in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And I think that is very important because some of the stuff he said is like, what? (laughs) And you question. Let me read after all of this, Job's lament of what has just happened to him. Okay. Afterward, after all those things, he lost everything. Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He did not curse God. He cursed the day of his birth. And this is what he said. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was to be born. And the night which said a boy is conceived. May the day be darkness. Let not God care for it, nor lie shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those who curse it curse the day, who are prepared to rouse Levithan. Let the stars of its twilights be darkened. It's just not, it's not a happy passage, guys. Let it wait for light, but have none. Let it not see the breaking dawn, because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb or hide trouble from my eyes. Moving on. Why did I not die at birth? <laughs> this, is, this is real. Come forth from the womb and expire. Why did the knees receive me? Why and why the breast that I should suck? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest with kings and uh, with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves. I'm going to skip down verse 20. Why is the light given to him who suffers and life to the bitter of soul? Who long for death, but there is none and dig for it more than for hidden treasures who rejoice greatly and exult what they find in the grave. 23. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of food. My cries pour out like water for what I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. And I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. (laughs) That's Job 3. There are 35 more chapters of things like this. I want to just say a couple of them because I read all these and I think some of them are interesting. Job 7:11 says this, therefore I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain the bitterness of my soul. Job 15:11 through 20, he makes this little statement. I'm sorry, 16:11 through 20. God hands me over to ruffians and tosses me into the hands of the wicked. By the way, that's not wrong. God removed the hedge. This is how he was feeling. I was at ease and he shattered me. And he has grasped me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He didn't do it. The enemy did it. He has also set me up as his target. His arrows surround me. Without mercy, he splits my kidneys open. This is how raw this guy is. Let me go down. Verse 16. My face is flushed from weeping and deep darkness is on my eyelids, although there's not violence in my hand and my prayer 
is pure. Let there be no resting place for my cry. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My friends are scoffers. Talked about that last week. My eye weeps to God. Oh, that man might plead with God as a man with his neighbor. For when a few years are past, I shall go the way of no return. I have sat in this passage, (laughs) these passages, for days now. In my mind, I have ruminated on, and in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And after all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. I listened to the transparency, the grit that he was under. And there's something oddly comforting about it. (laughs) Because I think if you've lived any sort of life that's, you know, longer, you're older than 30, you have probably experienced a pain that makes you feel one of these ways. Maybe you have felt like God's hand has handed me over to ruffians. Now, we wouldn't say ruffians right now. I feel like I am under attack is what a modern day word would be like for that. I feel like, Lord, you've forsaken me. Why would you allow this to happen? What is happening here is modern day language. There is an element of, I get it. (laughs) with Job saying all of this stuff. Things that maybe you would never even say, Job says for you. And yet, Job 1.22 and Job 2.10 are saying, he didn't sin, he didn't blame God. And he never did. But Job, I think, understands something about God that the Western church has forgotten. There is freedom in our relationship with him to come raw with our feelings, with our thoughts, just as we are and lay it all before him. I was struggling with this because, you know, obviously I don't ever want to put anything out that is like, not great. But then the Lord started speaking to me about his word. And I love it when the Lord's like, hey, it's like the Lord helps me write my message which he should help everybody. But I'm just saying, I'm saying, Lord, how am I going to say this? Because some of this stuff sounds crazy and you know, it sounds crazy. And the Lord was speaking to me and he said, do you remember this verse? And I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. Thank you. You know, someone gives you like the answer to a test and you're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's so good. (laughs) This is what Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry. This is Paul. Paul, the apostle Paul, take it up with him. Be angry. He says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, the cool thing about that verse is that he is quoting Psalm 4.4, which says in my version, tremble, but it also can be translated, be angry. Paul, David is saying this. So here we have Job who's regurgitating everything terrible that he feels. Then we have Paul saying, be angry, do it. You are human. You are allowed to be angry. He gives you license. Be angry. Just don't sin. So if Job is saying it, God is saying he didn't sin. Paul is saying, be angry. Just don't sin. Watch Watch what your anger produces. And then we have him actually quoting a chapter that David said, tremble and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. We have three giants from scripture that are saying, you are allowed to be angry express your anger, talk about it, and most definitely put it before the Lord. I want to read a passage of scripture in Psalm 51 from David, because one of the things that I've noticed uh, as I've been studying this is that David and Job 
David, man after God's own heart, you know, that guy, David and Goliath, that dude, King David, line of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. David, bloodline of Jesus, that David. He was so beautifully transparent before the Lord. And that is why the Psalms we love. To me, it's almost like the Psalms are more accepted in my heart than Job because I don't know why. The Psalms are so incredibly raw. But Job and David kind of lament the same way. And they question and they ask and they say, Lord, where are you? Have you forsaken me? Actually, I'm going to go to this other passage of scripture. I'm going to go to Psalm 22 first. I want to read this to you. My God, my God, this is David. Why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God. I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy. You are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried out and were delivered. And you, they trusted and were not disappointed. He starts the whole passage of scripture with what Jesus said in the garden. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? David was allowed to be transparent. David and Job were allowed to be angry, to be frustrated, and to express that to the Lord. Be angry and do not sin. Psalm 51 says this. David again. And this is one of those passages where the Lord was like, remember this? Remember this from my word? And I was like, oh yeah, good. That, that, that's good, God, that's good. Um, 51, five and six, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Sounds a lot like Job. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with the hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. I wanted to give you examples of people in scripture who said, you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to express your emotion, but there's a limit. Don't sin in it. Job did it. David did it. There are several examples of people who were raw, and I submit to you that that is why we identify with Psalms so much, because it isn't fake. It isn't plastic. It is a man who is pouring himself out before the Lord, knowing very well how faithful he is, but he also has the license to say, I do not understand what is going on right here, and it's because of that that he was called a friend of God. It's because of that, that he was called a man after God's own heart. It's because of his transparency that he was able to build intimacy with God. He wasn't plastic. He wasn't fake. He didn't say arm's length with God. He told him exactly how he felt and he built a relationship with God that we all look at as an example to us. As I was reading through Job and just, um, you know, looking, looking through all this, that Psalm 51 hit me so hard because let me read it again for you. It says this, behold, you desire truth in the innermost, this one says innermost being, innermost heart, part, inner heart, inner part, they're all interchangeable. You desire truth. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. What I realized is that, yeah, some of the stuff in Job might seem a little bit (laughs) bold, but he was being truthful. This is how I feel. I want to curse the day that I was born. That's how I feel in this moment. You remember Elijah when Elijah, after he was out on Mount Carmel, he looked at the Lord and he said, I don't want to, I don't want to live anymore. I'm done. 
And the Lord didn't reprimand Elijah for having emotion and for being transparent with him. God gives us freedom to come before him and say, what are you feeling? Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. But we rarely take him up on that full invitation because of some bad theology that we learned when we were a kid saying we can't really tell God how we feel. But in order to build true intimacy, David says, you desire truth. And Job was being truthful about how he felt. I was praying about this this morning. And this is when God started giving me all these things. And I just said, Lord, what do I say to them? And the Lord said to me, and I put up those black notepads all the time, but I wrote this one down for you. I just want them to be honest with me. That's what he said to me. Just tell him to be honest. Let me ask you a question. If your kid comes in, my kids have done this. All of them have done it, except for Haven. (laughs) Maybe one day she will. We tell all of our kids, every one of them, even if we're not going to like what you say, come in and tell us the truth. Even if you're admitting to something that we don't really want to hear, you can tell us the truth. And if you tell us the truth, that consequence is going to be little or even none. If you come to us and you're fully transparent with us about where you've been, what you did, what you said, what who you, who you saw, you know, whatever. If you're truthful with us, we can receive that. Have you guys ever said that to your kids? This is what David did. I'm just going to be truthful. Why? Because you desire truth in the inward parts. That's what Job did. I'm going to be truthful. This is how I feel. This is my full transparency on display. It might be ugly. It might not be pretty. You might not want to say this as a prayer request at church. You might want to tell your pastor that. You might get kicked out of the church. But this is actually how I feel. And it is the truth about how I feel. I don't want you to believe some lie about me, some perception that's not really reality. I want you to know exactly how I feel because God desires truth in the inward parts. Job was truthful and he was transparent. David was truthful. Even though you thought, wow, you're saying that to God. Yeah, he was truthful and also transparent. Psalm 139 says this. I don't go to this scripture a lot because everyone and their mom talks about it all the time, but I do love this about it. Psalm 139, three and four says this. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. Listen, you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before, listen, even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, Oh Lord, you know it all. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it. If God already knows it, because you know he does, why don't we just tell it? I was uh, driving on 630. Whoa, no, I was driving downtown on I-30. I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I was dealing with a lot of different things and I was praying and I don't know, it's like, it's like one of those like plastic prayers that you just kind of are programmed to pray. And I was looking at downtown Dallas right in front of me. And the Lord said, that's not how you feel. It's so loud in my spirit. So loud. It was like louder than I'm talking to you right now. That's not how you feel. And it caught me so off guard. It woke me out of my fake prayer trance. And I was like, you're right. That isn't how I feel. (laughs) Not even a little bit how I feel. And I started on this honest, truthful release of what I had been carrying for several months. I don't understand this. Why would you allow this? 
I'm kind of mad at you when it comes to this. You know that I've been blah, blah, blah. Why would you this? Why would you that? Why would you this? And it was as if the Lord said, had a girl. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear lies. I don't want to hear falsehood. I don't want to hear something that's really not truly authentic. I want to hear the raw you and what's going on. Because when you get to the bottom of your emotion about what is going on in your life, that's where truth is. And that's where he can actually comfort you. That's where he can come in like a savior and truly deliver you from the depths of despair. He can carry you on and he can carry you forward. He desires truth. And maybe that's why he said in all this, Job didn't sin because his truth is sin. No. Job 24 says uh, this. I have a lot of scriptures today. I'm sparing you guys a lot of scriptures. He says this. Job's talking about God. He's longing for God. I'm going to go Job 23.3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. That I might come to his seat. I would present myself my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn the words which he would answer and perceive what he would say to me. Would he contend with me by the greatness of his power? No. Surely he would pay attention to me. There the upright would reason with him and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Verse eight, behold, I go forward. Job is seeking for him. In his transparency, he's saying, I am desperate and I definitely want to find the Lord and I want to talk to him and I want to have a conversation with him. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward and I can't perceive him. When he acts on the left, I can't behold him. When he turns to the right, I can't see him. And then he comes in just like David with hope. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I can't find him, but he knows. I don't feel like he's faithful, but he is. I'm searching for him. It's hard for me to perceive where he is or what he's doing right now, but but he knows where I'm at. I don't have to tell him, just like Psalm 139 said. He knows before I even say it. He knows my thoughts. And when this is over, when he's tried me, I'm going to show him I've clung to him. I think the reason why he wasn't called out is because that was his perspective. This is how I feel right now. But I know you know the way that I take. Let's read a couple other things that Job said. Job 27, 1 through 6 says this. As God lives, who has taken away my right and the almighty who has embittered my soul. For as long as life is in me and the breath of God is in my nostrils, my lips certainly will not speak unjustly, nor will my tongue mutter deceit. Far be it from me that I should declare you right till I die. I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. Job 19 says this. This is him. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Job 13, 15 says this. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. No matter what happens to me, no matter what the enemy does to me, I am going to remain integrous. I am going to cling to the name of the Lord. I might curse the day I was born, but I will not curse my God. Job 23.10, which is what we just read, but I'm going to read it again for you. But he knows the way I take. When he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold. Job 28, 28. Into man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. 
and to depart evil is understanding. That was also truth. What Job was saying and how he was feeling, that was the truth on how he felt. But he always was able to find the truth that his Redeemer lived. He was able to find and cling to the truth that he had known for those 70 odd years that he's going to trust in God. While his feelings were true, the faithfulness of God was also true. And I believe that's why in the first part of Job, it says in all this, he didn't sin. He didn't blame God. In all this, he didn't sin with his lips. I want to send you an invitation today and a little evite to begin a journey of transparency with the Lord. I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm not saying do any of those things because obviously, but he desires truth. And when you get to the truth of exactly how you are feeling, no matter what it is, and you share that with the Lord, casting your cares on him, he takes it so graciously, receives it, and comforts us in it. It was finally when I decided to get transparent with the Lord that I realized that God was actually real and did not turn me away nor reject me for my transparency. It was in transparent moments where God has said to me, I am so glad you're here because now I can lead you forward. It's in transparent moments when we got scanned out of our adoption, when I was able to be super transparent and honest and truthful with the Lord and say, what are you doing? Why would you do this? And God never has given me a reason why, but I no longer need it because I have Moses and I have Haven and they're all the why I have ever needed in my whole life. We reject this invitation to be truly transparent and what we're actually rejecting is true intimacy with our father who desperately wants to come in and be the balm of Gilead to your soul. So the invitation before you is, what are you really feeling? Don't tell your friend. She might be your best friend since second grade. Don't tell her because she can't fix your soul. <laughs> Don't tell your mom. I hesitate saying that because I want my kids to tell me everything. But your mom can't fix your soul either. The savior of your soul can fix your soul. Your transparency doesn't, you don't need to be more transparent with a human than you are to the Savior and the creator of your body and your soul. Homework for today. Just tell him. I have never been fully transparent with God and ever been met with rejection. At the end next week, we're going to talk about God's response to Job. And I will give you a little teaser. There was a lot that was said by God, and we'll get into that. But you know what God didn't say? Not one time ever did he reprimand him for his honesty. Never. There's an invitation for you to come boldly before the throne of grace and meet grace right at the throne of our God and say, this is how I feel. Help me, correct me if I need to be corrected because what I've been through is so hard. He gets it and he loves you. I hope this helps you today. I'll be back right after the break. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. Y-Z-A. Yeah. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? 
By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Hey, hey, guys, we're back. We just had a little dialogue about this over the break. I just want you to know. God is not going to zap you. He's not going to come after you. He's not going to do all those things that maybe some of you that grew up in legalistic churches might have been taught he would. There is a reverence, of course, and there's a holiness, of course. But there is a grace that God extends to us as kids. There is a freedom in a beautiful protection there that we're able to share what's going on in our inward heart and our soul with our creator. He already knows. You might as well share it. I have an awesome question. I actually have two. I think I'm going to go back to the other one next week. I love this one. Autumn, I took one of your lead classes back in 2021, which things were doing that. It was great and amazing. We're going to do that again soon. Have you ever thought of doing a course similar to that, but on how to research in the Bible? I, for one, need something like that. I have no clue where to start researching except for Google, <laughs> showing us what books you use and where you go would be great. I have gotten this question a lot over the years, and I will have to say, I think it's kind of like almost you kind of develop a system that works specifically for you to do. I am very big on, and these are just some tips for you until I develop this course, which I really might do. I, I, I told Amanda this morning, I was like, that's actually a really good idea. One thing that I do often is look further into the scripture, the scripture that says, I will never leave you and forsake you. If there is a word that sticks out to me, like forsake, I really like that word forsake. What does that mean? I will look it up consistently. I do this a lot in the original language. So whether that's Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, whatever it is, I'll, I will look it up and I will study how that word was used, what is all the meanings of that word, and what other scriptures is that word located in. A lot of times when I'm reading a passage of scripture, God will highlight a word to me and I'll go do a word study. That's how I personally start, okay? And that's a good place to go. A great resource for that is the Blue Letter Bible. Blueletterbible.com. I believe that I don't know if their app is free. I don't use the app because I, I find the website more user friendly. But that is a great resource for that. And that's where you can start. Just simply, you know, if you're looking at a verse and you're like, ooh, that word, what does laugh mean? I did a study on laugh a couple of years ago. And I'm like, oh, laugh means this in this passage, but in a passage a couple of chapters away, it means something totally different. I always do a word search almost consistently. And there's a lot of different commentators that I look at. I study through, I have my go-tos. I love Matthew Henry, although he's not, I don't agree with him all the time. <laughs> he is absolutely amazing. But I would start with word studying and that would give you a really good deeper view at what that verse said. We talked about yesterday in our staff meeting, we said, you know, the Bible says what it says. But when you study the verses and connect them with other verses in the Bible and study what the original language meant to say, it doesn't change what it says. It just says so much more. 
So that's where a good place uh, where I would start. But yes, I have thought about it. You put it right on the front of my mind this morning about doing a study on how to study. Love that. Okay, we have a testimony. My praise is that God has been there for me my whole life. Even when I didn't realize it or ask, he was just there. (laughs) I love that. She goes into detail a little bit about some sexual abuse that happened in her child's life and how God brought her and her child through that. And she says this, God was the only thing that got us both through this horrible time in our lives. And the only reason I'm where I am now, I couldn't have got here without him. What a beautiful testimony. I mean, something so absolutely terrible as that the Lord is able to walk us through. And I know this, you know, I know this very thing of abuse. So I love that testimony. I love you guys so much. I hope this Job series is resonating with you. I feel like it is definitely resonating with me. Next week, we are going to talk Job chapter five, when God speaks. When God speaks, God's perspective on all of this, you know, God has been silent, but to Satan this entire time, what does God say when he shows up? Because eventually he's going to (laughs) speak. This is going to be really powerful. Job chapter five next week. Love you guys. Have the greatest week of all time. I love that you spent your time with us and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.